Hello and welcome back to the Good Work Podcast. I'm Felicity Holstead, your host and the founder of Good Work. On today's episode, I'm talking to Sam Hornsby. Sam is the co-founder of Eric, a careers education platform increasing awareness of and engagement with the creative industries. Our chat today covers the challenges in our existing approach to careers education, how we can support young people to discover and pursue exciting roles in industries they may not have even known about before, and the problem with a graduate-only approach to entry-level recruitment. Sam Hornsby, welcome to the Good Work Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to be here. Could you start today by just telling us a little bit about what you do, what Eric is, and what it does? Eric is an app where companies can get involved in the career education of young people. So we focus only on the creative industries, of which there are 16. But essentially, we provide career education on the app for young people to learn about the various different creative industries that exist. And then companies also exist on the app so that they can attach themselves to that career education and say hi to young people who are learning about their careers and being like, by the way, we're in the creative industries too. Do you want to eventually come and work for us? So that's what we do. Amazing. And what led you to Eric? I run Eric with my co-founder slash best friend, Nate. <laughs> We've been best friends since we were eight years old. We were both really creative kids. and We bonded over this idea of being creative. We would always get involved in arts and crafts. That's kind of how we bonded. We were very, very creative. And then as we progressed through school, that idea of it being a potential job or like career yeah. just was slowly stamped out over time. We were never told that that was something that we could do. By the time we were choosing our GCSEs, May was like, I would like to be a fashion designer and I was like I want to be in art I actually wanted to be a ceramicist and then we were told that those weren't really options so May was told that she has to be either a doctor or an accountant and she chose accountancy and so she ended up becoming a chartered accountant at PwC and then for me I was not academic at all had zero time or energy for a classroom environment but I was never told about any options that didn't involve academia I think so I wasn't allowed to I guess kind of go on and become a potter or anything like that and so I was told that I have to you know got to go to uni because no one tells you about any other options right and so I was like okay I'll go to uni I ended up going to do law at Leeds hated it absolutely hated it desperate to leave so I left after a year and then ended up just going straight into the working world any job that would have me worked in a series of different startups which was Mm -hmm. great I actually do think I really found my people no one in the startup world is really about the traditional roots and you know lots of the people in there are learners by doing so Basically, we both hated our jobs and we recognised that we both would have probably been happier if we were allowed to just pursue creative options. So May and I, obviously being best friends, we would catch up and we'd be like, we don't like our jobs. Mm -hmm. Where did it go wrong? We identified that career education in general to young people at schools definitely focused way more on the less creative side of things Mm -hmm. or kind of traditional jobs. And we were like, that's a problem. That is a Mm -hmm. huge problem that loads of people are clearly still experiencing Let's create something that will allow young people to be able to learn about their career options in the creative industries. And that was the birth of Eric. Why is it called Eric? (laughs) So it stands for empower, represent, immerse and create. So we want people to fill those four things by the time they've been through the app. 
Excellent. So there wasn't a bloke called Eric that you named it after. Lots of people do, but they're like, is your ex-boyfriend? <laughs> I'm not that stupid. <laughs> that yeah. Horrible idea. Yeah, I think that would be an incredible power move, but I see <laughs> what you mean. I love the way you flip that. So you've been working on Eric for quite a few years now, and it's been through a few iterations. Can you tell me a bit more about how it started and evolved into its current form? Yes. Okay. Eric, when it first started, was a series of alternative career fairs. So we noticed that literally zero career fairs focused on the creative industry. So we were like, Mm -hmm. that's obviously an area that we can also tangibly make better, I guess, in an event format. It's hard to create an app or the website or whatever. You can put on an event though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's what we decided to do first. The events ended up being relatively successful. We built up a community of about 200,000 young people eventually who were coming to us for an education about the different careers in the creative industries. We held 20 festivals and Mm -hmm. they were each one about 2000 people big. And then the pandemic hit. But actually, I think we'd also begun to realize over time that our message is big. Mm -hmm. Like the mission is huge. Giving young people career education about the creative industries is not limited to a specific space at a specific time. They'll want access to that at all times, whenever they want, wherever they are events is it's great for building a community but it's not actually good for delivering the necessary information to young people and it's not as consistent right you're not repeatedly checking in with the same people and reinforcing those messages exactly we'd hold a fashion event and someone a week later would be like oh I missed the fashion event when's your next one and we'd be like next year it didn't make any sense you know yeah Um, So we had already realized actually this needed to be a tech product. It needed to be accessible to people wherever they are at any point. And the pandemic just acted as a bit of a catalyst for something that probably would have taken a bit longer. Mm -hmm. We decided on an app because we crowdsourced ideas from our community. The problem that we actually want solving is also finding all the useful career education stuff online about the creative industries. The discoverability of career Mm. education online is awful. And so that's basically the problem that we solve with the app. And so what what actually happens if I was 16 years old and interested in finding out more about the creative industries? What can Eric offer? Yeah, so when you sign up to the app, you tell us a couple of details about yourself. Where's your location? What industries are you interested in? Are there any soft skills that you want to work on as well? What stage in life are you at? Those kind of basic details. And then we basically personalize the app to those specific requirements. There are obviously options to change those personalization elements at any point. And also there is an area on the app where you can search for anything on it. So it's not personalized. But the main section of the app is this is the stuff that we found online that is hyper relevant to you and your situation. So we take out the majority of the searching that people Mm -hmm. do online. I guess we take that time. We give them back that time and then the final section of the app is where they can explore different employers explore different Mm -hmm. opportunities find workshops mentoring schemes all of these things to help with early careers that otherwise they probably wouldn't be able to find Mm -hmm. across the chaos that is the internet as somebody working in the early career space I'm always really interested to hear from others who are doing the same about what you perceive as the major challenges at the moment that both employers and people like us need to get our heads around? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. There are so many things. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the first issue with that. Where do you even start? 
I definitely think for me, there is a huge issue when it comes to the number of employers that young people think exist. They don't really seem to understand the breadth of options that they have out there available. Young people are only ever told that there are basically four companies in each industry that you can work for. And that is a huge issue for all of those other companies that exist. Mm -hmm. They then end up scrabbling around for talent that they can't find. And it's literally because those young people do not know that they exist. I can tell you all four of those big companies in every single industry are getting extreme numbers of applicants. There's like a kind of bottlenecking going on. And that, I think, is a major issue. The talent needs to be spread out further. Completely agree. A lot of what I do is rooted in increasing that diversity of young people who are represented in those industries. Is that something that you're able to do through Eric as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important that companies are aware that there are, first of all, different types of intelligences. We focus a lot on academia when it comes to applicants. The theory is there are eight different types of intelligences, only one of which is academia. We focus so much on this element. That's not everyone's strength. The second thing is diversity of thought, getting people from different experiences, different backgrounds to Mm -hmm. be involved in your company so that you have a better understanding of wider society and how they operate. If we can solve those two things, I really believe that that is how we can solve the diversity issue, because then you see people from a completely different perspective and you're able to train yourself to think past those biases. I think that employers, they're just looking at the moment for a single type of candidate and that's their problem, not the young people. Absolutely. I talk to early careers managers in various companies about this quite frequently. But I think as we start to support employers to change those attitudes, one of the other challenges that we're coming up against is young people then self-selecting themselves out of opportunities because they think that they have to have a stars at a level or a university degree a lot of that is still on the employers making sure that those job ads are actually as inclusive and as accessible as they possibly could be if a degree isn't essential then just don't mention it degree preferred is just nonsense language if it's not required don't mention it because the more marginalized and less represented candidates are going to self-select out definitely the idea of a cv in general seeing as Mm -hmm. it seems to be still the first port of call screening applicants cvs in general i think are just absurd they are illogical in my mind i am completely with you there's part of me that's like should good work be putting out advice around things like how to write a great cv because i've worked in an industry where i did entry-level recruitment And so I do know lots about writing a great CV for those kind of roles, but I fundamentally don't agree with CVs. So I I tie myself up in knots all the time. Exactly. You're literally encouraging people to be uniform. Yes. Like we're literally trying to stamp out what makes people individual by yeah. trying to make sure they're phrasing things mm-hmm. in the same way. Make exactly. sure they're formatting it in the same way. As an employer, if you're trying mm. to use CVs as a way of sifting out who is different, you're literally yeah. doing the opposite by making them do a CV. And then we find that when we try to reduce and remove bias from those processes, oftentimes we come up against well-meaning but flawed logic around things like psychometric testing, which actually is all designed around norms and norms that fit a certain mold. And so actually I always say to organisations, you know, if you're looking at removing bias and your first port of call is psychometric testing, you are way off because 
actually that's not going to capture neurodivergence. It's not going to capture anyone who hasn't had an education that trains them to deliver and to think in a certain kind of way. And that isn't what you want as an employer because your entry-level talent brings so much. Getting employers to invest in entry-level talent is such an interesting challenge. I'd love to know a bit about what your approach is and what message you have for organisations that are less sure about whether that's an area where they should be really spending money. Yes, absolutely. So our whole reason for being is to encourage companies or industries to get involved in career education as early as possible. At the moment, (laughs) you know, people are applying for jobs without having any knowledge of the breadth of different companies that they could work for or like the Young people genuinely are not aware that entire industries exist often. Mm -hmm. I've been doing some research recently with the BFI all about the screen industries. BFX is one of the largest growing areas of the screen industries, which is, you know, like film, TV, VFX, animation and gaming. Those five industries, screen industries. VFX is huge and it is growing so fast. There are thousands of young people across the UK, tens of thousands probably, who have no idea that VFX even exists. They don't know the term VFX. And that is astonishingly scary, considering that we need more and more people to fill jobs in that industry. VFX have now recognised as an industry that Mm. the problem is, is that young people have absolutely no understanding when they're at school early on that that industry is a possibility and therefore obviously they're not going to know any companies that exist they don't know the skills that they need to get into vfx they don't know the word vfx also who are the employers they've got no clue what companies are in there vfx is experiencing a terrifying skills shortage and the uk economy is going to be impacted by that and they know that the answer is to start early so that you start training young people to know about these industries recognize early on before they choose GCSEs that this is an industry that interests you you probably have the skill sets for it if you're interested in technology all of these things making sure that young people recognize early on how to match themselves up with industries Mm -hmm. that exist and then those companies and those industries will save so much time and energy later on rather than just appearing at the finish line they're panicking to fill jobs they put a job ad out. Obviously, yeah. no one knows that their industry exists and so no one's applying to it. It's very important that every industry and company gets involved in career education as early as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I think one of the other challenges around that is getting organizations to think about the long-term journey that those young people will go on as well. So one of the other things that, you know, I try and get people to think about is it's not just about getting great diverse talent through the door it's also about how you retain them which seems really obvious but in the way that a lot of organizations behave when they do get that entry-level talent in you would you would maybe think it's not so obvious so the reason that I was doing that report with Mm. the BFI is because the screen industries is experiencing such a huge skills shortage at the moment and actually the majority of the creative industries are also experiencing a skills shortage Mm -hmm. and that is because people still have a 20 years out of date perception of what the creative industries looks like which is struggling artists, struggling actors, dancers, singers, you know, and that is genuinely whenever anyone says the words creative industries, those are the images that get conjured up. The creative industries used to 
rely on essentially like nepotism word of mouth in order to fill their job because that you know unfortunately was the way that the world operated that's why that's such a bad diversity problem in the creative industries well and unpaid internships right paid internships exactly they never had to put the graft in to tell people about the different creative industries that exist and the careers in there now because they have basically neglected to put that graft they're experiencing like awful skills shortages and terrible diversity and inclusion issues and so it's incredibly important that the creative industries gets involved in career education in order to provide this up-to-date message also the creative industries has experienced extreme levels of growth because of technology if we take advertising as as an example social media has been around for basically less than 20 years but the advertising industry has grown almost five-fold because social media exists five times the amount of jobs available if not more but they are still experiencing the same numbers of people entering the creative workforce they haven't put out the messaging to keep up with the number of jobs and as a result the next generation have an inherited perception of what the creative industries is like and now the creative industries is fucked yeah. <laughs> so, that, that's the official term you can quote yeah. me on that yeah. <laughs> i think what's fascinating though is that STEM had almost exactly the same problem 10 years ago. They stepped up their game. They started to really get involved in career education. Mm. And now they have an abundance of talent. That's so interesting because I took a decision quite early on with Good Work to not focus on STEM, partly because it's not what I do. Although I do really strongly believe that we need to do more, particularly, I think, with girls around understanding that you can work with technology without being technical because that's certainly something that I have done in my career so far working around the implementation of technology back when I was a management consultant without having a technical bone frankly in my body I did arts a levels I did an arts and humanities degree and that really scared me going into it and I think for a lot of young people (coughs) making sure that we're pushing the right narrative there and that they understand that you know you don't have to be a physicist or a mathematician or know how to code in order to work in a tech startup, for example, or to start a tech startup. I'm sure that there are many tech bros who will probably <laughs> want to shout at me for saying that, but everyone must, you cannot have a startup if you don't know how to code. But, you know, I just don't really agree with that. You know, what's really important is you know what your own skill set is. You're not afraid to ask questions and be wrong and that you hire people who do know what they're doing to do the bits that you can't. Anyway, wide tangent for me there, but you know, you're absolutely right. I decided to not invest in that for good work because ultimately as well a lot of the roles that we'll be looking to fill will be sales roles marketing roles roles around communications roles around strategy and general operations and every organization needs those kind of roles filled it's not just about being able to work with technology but you're absolutely right you know we need to step up our career education and engagement and make sure that all of those options are available to everybody do you have an ambition to move beyond the creative industries and become a go-to careers education platform across the board yeah I think that is the ultimate goal Mm. we obviously started with the creative industries because it's so close to a may and I's heart so we're finally living through the next generation (laughs) I'm like everyone become a ceramicist I I also think it has been 
a consistently neglected part. The definition of the creative industries has changed. There's just so much to tackle there that I think we're taking the bull by the horns, but we would like to move into other areas. Actually, interestingly, which also touches upon the points that you've just made, 60% of kids in primary school today are actually going to have creative and STEM hybrid roles. We kind of already are, I guess, touching upon technology anyway, the app that we have at the moment. So much of design is online. There's technology skills in advertising. There's technology skills in gaming. You know, they're all kind of overlapping anyway into that kind of STEM-ish area. It feels like a natural progression for us. Can you tell me a bit more about your take on university as a barrier to entry for careers and what we can do to push the needle a bit more with industry around their approaches and their attitudes to young people without a degree? Yes, absolutely. So May and I actually do a little talk to companies sometime. Mm -hmm. It's like 10 strategies to get better at sourcing Gen Z. One of the strategies is don't be gradist. (laughs) Coined this term. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) But basically... 50% of people go to university. It hit an all-time high last year, I think. But partly people think that's due to the pandemic. People are like, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to get back to university. But it's only 50%. I think this is what I kind of get so angry about is that people are like oh I need someone with a degree you're literally discounting 50% of the population which is kind of insane it feeds heavily into diversity and inclusion if you think that other 50% are only not going to uni mm-hmm. because they've decided not to and they're just like I just don't want to work the reasons that people don't go to university are so complex and there are so yeah. many of them that I just feel like it's absurd I will confess I do not want a doctor without a degree 100% if you're going to be a brain surgeon yes fantastic yeah 100% but for me as a management consultant did my degree in politics with a bit of French ever ever give me anything at all that was helpful (laughs) absolutely not and equally the minute you leave university your knowledge starts to go out of date I left university five years ago people sometimes out will say to me you know what do you think about what's going on in Ukraine you've got an international relations degree and I have an opinion but my opinion is absolutely no more informed than anybody else who listens to the radio and reads some newspapers I'm not an expert I have some out of date knowledge on some theory which I can't really remember uh, exactly like, I can tell you how the United Nations works <laughs> exactly and I've got a massive heap of student debt which <laughs> frankly makes me really question all of my life choices you know some really increasing research being done about it which is really helpful to be particularly about the academic achievements of young people from less privileged backgrounds across the board there is just so much evidence that it is so much more complicated than x is cleverer than y and that's why they went to university and did better and young people with caring responsibilities for young people whose families need them to be able to support themselves etc i will never say to anyone don't go to university if you really want to because i did meet lots of my best friends there you're absolutely right that making sure that that choice is available and open to lots of young people and that employers are not gradist is is key (laughs) thank you for using that (laughs) you're welcome so I think just moving on from there what else would you like to see as kind of the next innovations or developments in the early career space the obvious answer to that is more industries involved in career education but aside from that I would like 
to be more inclusive and more understanding yeah. of why people don't go and get degrees from employers. I think I would like to see more thought going into what type of candidate are they actually looking yeah. like yeah. the actual skills that they want rather than just being like, oh, they've got a degree. Oh, you know, they've written a nice CV. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of weak work going into it yeah. from the employer's side. I think also just like allowing people to be able to pace themselves in more diverse ways that is more yeah of their personalities and their skill sets is is important how do we get employers to invest the time in that because I think that's a a really big challenge is people say it takes too much time we don't have the resources for it well this is where the research comes in this is where the statistics come in and I think unfortunately it will always get to a bit of a crunch point before people are willing to part with their money and I wish that you know that wasn't the case but that is unfortunately the way that humans work stem they had that and a huge I guess kind of PR issue almost like awareness issue I would say Mm -hmm. 10 years ago and they've really pulled their socks up and they're now seeing the results of a number of years of hard work they are absolutely thriving I think the investment only comes when there is a crisis but I do think we're getting to a point in time where there is a crisis in terms of um I guess there's a demand from the young people and from early talent for the employees to do better but also lots of these industries are hitting a bit of a crisis where they're like well whether we like it or not whether we agree with the young people or not we have to do better because we don't have people entering our workforce anymore exactly and it's it's frustrating as you say because you know organizations are generally very willing to invest in leadership and much less willing to invest in entry-level talent and I mean it makes sense to an extent in terms of the longevity of that person's you know time in your business but at the same time maybe if we invested more in it people wouldn't leave <laughs> what completely agree and this yeah. is it there is too much emphasis on what we need now yeah. and what we need in the future and what we yeah. need to future proof ourselves and that's consistently exactly. been the issue with the recruitment and I do believe that is why the recruitment model is finally beginning to break yeah absolutely one of the things I kind of like to ask people is what would you ask listeners to do as their further reading if they're interested in this stuff Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many. Excellent. Go for it. Well, also I've got to remember them off the top of my head now. So like, that's going to be a challenge. I don't read. It's not the way I ingest information. This is obviously why I didn't do well in a classroom environment. I have a number of different podcasts. I'm a podcast obsessive though. There's a couple that I want to shout out here. Greater than 11% podcast by Renee Sutherland Vaughan or Vaughan Sutherland. I can never remember which way around. She does a podcast all about different people who have worked in the creative industries. It's really good it's great for anyone who wants to learn or kind of know more about the creative industries never mind the job spec by glenn is amazing um he is an innovator in the hr recruitment space like he is all about championing people who are i guess kind of doing things differently like definitely recommend everyone kind of listen to that i think those are two good ones there's one creative one hr excellent thank you so much this has been a really fun conversation and i don't think we've gone off on too many wild tangents but they're always fun anyway definitely thank you so much for having me i've really enjoyed it If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you share it with friends and colleagues, leave us a review and check your subscribe so you don't miss us next week. The Good Work podcast is brought to you by Good Work, a social impact business on a mission to make early careers fairer, more inclusive and more meaningful. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.